0: Do you have room in the trophy for another one there? You got six of them. Now you're the winningest franchise in NFL history. We'll make room. And welcome once again, everybody, to another edition here of the Master podcast. Well, of course, yours truly Charles Prodigy Richie right now. As we are getting ready to count down the less than a couple of weeks, Super Bowl 55 right now in Tampa, Florida, right now, with the Bucks becoming the first team ever. Uh, this is Sunday right now, being the first team to host a home Super Bowl in their own stadium right now. Uh, TB12, uh, Tom Brady, he's bringing that magic along with him from the Patriots to the top Bay Buccaneers, I think we could say right now. And currently on the line right now, join me here. Usual friend of the show, we'll get some Steeler talk a little bit in just a few moments here. Well, I'm talking about another then. Right there for CBS Sports, Brian DiArdo right here. And if I heard correctly, uh, Brian, I think you uh, mentioned you're working a little bit of trivia before we got the air. Please excuse the uh, intro we cut off. How are you doing tonight? I'm doing you I'm
1: about 35 questions deep into this, 35 Super Bowls deep. Yeah. So what I'm doing is I'm picking one trivia question uh, from each Super Bowl. If you want, I can actually give you one from each of the Steelers once. Go for it. All right, so let's start with Super Bowl Nine, and, and any Steeler fan should get all of these, but uh, we're going to test you right out of the box, uh, Charles. So the first one, which Steelers defender recorded the first safety in Super Bowl history
0: after spending a week in the hospital with pneumonia? Easy. I think I, remember, I think I remember this one on America's Game documentary. That should be uh, Dwight White right there.
1: You are correct. You are correct. Op- your other options were Joe Green, Elson Greenwood, or Jack Lambert. Um, so let's move on to Super Bowl Ten. Which future Hall of Fame Cowboys player did Jack Lambert famously throw to the ground during the second half of Pittsburgh's 21-17 win? Was it Hollywood Henderson, Cliff Harris, Randy
0: White, or Roger Staubach? Cliff Harris. Cliff Harris, you're two for two.
1: Two for two. All right, Super Bowl 13. 13. And leading the Steelers to a 35-31 win over Dallas, Terry Bradshaw to keep the first quarterback in Super Bowl history to throw for over 300 yards, throw four touchdowns, not get sacked, A and B, or B and C.
0: Repeat the choices one more time, please.
1: Yep, throw for 300 yards. Throw for four touchdowns. C not get sacked. D A and B, or E B and C. It
0: was definitely uh, A and B combined right there because I remember that was Bradshaw was also first 300 yard uh, passing in a career game in his NFL career too with a record of four touchdowns.
1: Yep, you're exactly right. And so so you're three for three.
0: Hey, third time's a try, man. It's like Super Bowl 13 right there.
1: Yep, we'll see if we can get you four for four. Are you ready? Go ahead. While they fell short against the Steelers, the Rams received a gritty effort from this player who played the game with a broken leg. Your options are Jackie Slater, Jack Youngblood, Vince Ferragamo, or Wendell Tyler.
0: I am going to take a wild stab in the dark. I want to say yeah, – You can use a 50-50. Well, you said it was uh, – I, I think I'm going to have to go with uh, Jackie Slater, if I'm the guess. It's Jack Youngblood. Oof. Okay. Well, Jack
1: Do Youngblood four. played that game uh, with a broken leg. I, he broke the leg two weeks or three weeks prior against Dallas, and continued to play on that leg in the Super Bowl. Now, I actually talked to Jackie Slater last year about playing the Steelers mm-hmm. at that time, and he discussed ad nauseum how awesome it was to play against Elsie uh, Greenwood. He um, said that Elsie really wasn't a trash talker. He may have said something like, let's get it on or something like that when the game started, but he said technically Elsie Greenwood was as good as a player as he had ever faced. Um, unfortunately, it doesn't look like Elsie will ever – you know, you might make the Hall of Fame. You never say Never. But as of now, it looks like uh, it's it's going to be a while if and when he ever makes the Hall of Fame. But now, if you want Charles, I can throw you one more random one from a, from a random Super Bowl of your choice, or we can just skip this and get into your question.
0: We'll go for it! I won not man. I'm, I'm all for NFL history, especially Super Bowl one of the favorite weeks of now. We'll go for it, man. Okay, let's do. Uh, let's see here. You know, let's do a funny
1: one. Let's do a funny one. Sure. Before leading his team on a game-winning. Super Bowl 23. Okay. For leading his team on a game-winning 92-yard drive.
0: Are you trying to say which celebrity was in the crowd, if, if I'm guessing? I don't need to you know, ask. The- John Candy. John Candy. I heard that one so many times. And don't forget, too, remember Bill Walsh was one of the first people who pointed out with Joe Montana in those drives. He was trying to call a few timeouts during that drive. Joe Montana even later admitted this uh, later on after his career that he used to hyperventilate a lot of times during like uh, drives and huddles like that. So he would have some like uh, panic attacks once in a while. As tough as he was, great. Right. Yeah, you're right. All right, let's see if I can. All right, now yeah, I'm gonna
1: try to get. I'm gonna try to you here. I'm gonna try to get tough. You're killing me here. Uh, all right, let's get you a tough one. All right, this is Super Bowl 16. While his team fell short against the 49ers, this quarterback threw for nearly twice as many yards as game MVP Joe Montana. Do you want some options? Sure, please. All right. Ken Anderson, Brian Sype, Boomer Esiason, or Dan Marino?
0: That was definitely Ken Anderson. You nailed
1: it, Ken Anderson. man. All right, well, I don't, forget, come and, on, I don't think I'm going to stump you. And, 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 and,
0: and don't forget, too, and I'm sorry for cutting you off, but I also remember, too, if I'm not mistaken, Ken Harrison was also reigning league MVP that year, too, a year after Brian Sipes. he was. All right, I'm going
1: to stump you here. No more play at night. Okay. And <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm out of him after this. Well, I'm
0: not,
1: but I'm, I'm going to try to get you on this one. All right. All right, despite not rushing for a single yard in the second quarter – Terrell Davis led the Broncos to their first Super Bowl after rushing for 157 yards and three touchdowns. What caused him to miss most of the second quarter? A migraine headache, a toothache, a jammed thumb, or he was poked in the eye. Those are your four options.
0: I, I remember... I, I, I want I know somewhere between like the migraine and the eye right there because I remember John Elway was saying, you know, here I'll I'll guide you when you're running the routes right there. Right. And the right, pole. Right. So pulling teeth on this one. i one of the other. One
1: of the other. You can cut it
0: down to two. I'll give you that. I, I'm gonna say he – I think he got poked in the eye because John Elway had to help him. I don't think it was a migraine. I'm going to say poked in the eye. Migraine. Migraine. <laughs> okay.
1: Migraine because Terrell Davis suffered from migraines since he was 12 years old and forgot to take his medication before the Super Bowl, which you would think of all the games to not know your medication or to take your medication. He just said he had too many other things going on. He totally forgot. And then the second quarter uh, – it kicked in. He got t- he got kneed in the head by a Packers defensive lineman, but that triggered it. But it, re- it really wasn't that bad of a hit. And then his first carry in the third quarter, he fumbled. That led to a touchdown from, uh, or a field goal from Green Bay. And then Aaron Sharper famously was mic'd on the sidelines and he yelled that, that Davis was scared to run. Uh, he wasn't. Davis rushed for almost 100 yards alone in the second half, and the Broncos. One, that one. Well, do you want one more to redeem yourself, or do you want to move on?
0: Let's try one more. What the heck? Let's just see what happens. Let's go One forward.
1: more. Let's do a fun
0: one. Okay. get you on a fun one. All right, I'm going to give you an easy
1: one. You want an easy one?
0: It doesn't matter. Challenge easy. Whatever you want to pick, right. I'm going to with you. You
1: know what? You and me are going
0: to go right, to go right in the middle. Hey, right hey, there. you know the name of the deal on the show. Every time, whenever you hear before and in and out of the show, if you see that many ties, what does Joey Porter always say? Who ride, we ride. So just bring it up, my man. All right. All right. This is Super
1: Bowl 29. And one of the greatest Super Bowls ever played by a quarterback, Steve Young, but both teams in rushing. He also set the still-standing Super Bowl record for touchdown passes. How many did he Six. Score? Well, you nailed it. You didn't he, he, beat, he, options. he beat Joe
0: Montana's previous record of five, which was uh, yeah. set in Super Bowl uh, 24.
1: Right, right. So, in the spirit of Super Bowls, um, Charles, what would you say are your three – what is your favorite Steelers one, and what is your favorite non-Steelers
0: one? If I had to say my all-time uh, favorite one, I definitely had to go with Super Bowl 13. It's like one of the ones that stood out to me being like a Steelers fan. Like, definitely right at the top of the list. I remember before ESPN Classic came out a long time ago. I remember you see on ESPN, too, and just some of the classic – documentaries before we used to YouTube this stuff or see it on yeah, digital cable. Yeah, it was so good and awesome. Here, Harry, the late Harry Callis, voice, by the way, who uh, left us uh, a long time ago, who passed away. Former Phillies announcer, but also did some voiceovers for NFL films, commercials right there. I just remember that it was one of the first Super Bowls where it really finally started to open up to, sh- to a shootout when the first one was pretty much like a, a defensive contested one right there. So definitely Super Bowl 13, will be, like, uh, number one all-time on my list. And then I think uh, one outside of that Super Bowl, uh, when I really comes to mind, I probably have to go with, let's see. Hold on one second. I would have to say for my other one, I will probably go with I have to go with Super Bowl Fifty One in recent memory. As much as all the other ones stand out there, just amazing. That still stands out in my mind. And watching who Brady is, what he's had to overcome, all the controversies, Uh, overcome a twenty-five point deficit right there. That guy is a is a freak right there for what he did. Twenty-five point deficit. I mean, you have at least – you're still down by 16 points at one point in the fourth quarter. You still need a touchdown, two-point conversion, even tie the game. And not that. It was the first-ever Super Bowl in overtime. As much as Kyle Shanahan, much to his chagrin for two uh, Super Bowls in his career, failed to, like, encourage his team to run the ball. Instead, He keeps passing right there. I just think right there – I thought that was just so awesome right there when a game that should have been way out of hand – just watching the uh, Patriots team uh, chip away at them, and I think they shut out the Falcons in that second half. They're, they're able to outscore them, I want uh, to say, 31 the zip, I want to say, in that second half. So Super Bowl 51 for me outside of uh, 13. That was just remarkable to see the finally see the first one in overtime.
1: That one was an interesting one to follow covering the Steelers. I was Kind of writing all these articles about how I was actually running like a live uh, blog during the game, or, or a uh, a photo, or a gallery, reaction gallery in real time. And I remember Ryan Shazier was taking, particularly was taking great delight in the Patriots losing that game for the most part. Then when they came back to win, and Steeler fans in general were taking all great delight in that in that game until Patriots started coming back, and then all of a sudden. All the Steeler fans disappeared, and Shazier was pretty much, you know, laughing at himself. Um, yeah, that was a that was a weird one. That was, uh you know, it's funny because no one really calls that one the best one ever, even though it went to overtime. But most people, including um, our own uh, Will Brinson, he thinks that the Seattle-New England Super Bowl is the best one he's ever seen. I, I don't really love the. The best ever seen argument, because I think it just comes down to personal preference. Like I think, I think the New England uh, Rams one should absolutely be up there. I think um, I'm trying to think here. I think you know Super Bowl 20. I mean, the ones that I remember seeing when I was alive: 32 Broncos, Patriots. I'm sorry, Broncos Packers. We discussed a little bit is up there. Right. Um, Rams Titans would have to be up there. Rams Patriots would would have to be up there. Uh, Panthers-Patriots is, is often forgot because it really wasn't a great game for the first three quarters. And the fourth quarter was just was crazy. A lot of, a lot of points, a lot of big plays. Ujim Mohammed big touchdown. Right. Uh, and then 42, obviously. Oh, and then you got to remember, like we discussed here, and this is one I, one I don't remember, the Bengals-49ers game. That was yeah. a great Super Bowl. Um, so interesting, the Browns in the 80s, Won the three AFC Championship games, did not go to a Super Bowl. Uh, the Bengals won to two Super Bowls um, and almost won both of them. And, and both years, they had the league's rating MVP. They just weren't able to quite get it done, but they did go to two. Um, my, my favorite one... This is, Charles, you're going to think I'm, I'm crazy. My favorite one might be one the Steelers lost. It might be the Dallas one. Yeah. Because they... Played really well. No one expected them to win. And there was a, a, a moment in that game, and I, I firmly believe this. If, I, if, if the Steelers had pulled that game off, I think it would have been their most memorable Super Bowl win. Because it was the only one where they were a double digit underdog and had zero, no one thought they were going to win the game. And when Bill Cowher made that onside kick with 11 minutes left, everybody was pretty much thought, all right, this is their chance. And then they scored on that drive. And then Kirkland sacked Aikman to force a punt on the next drive. Uh, And and everybody gives O'Donnell, you know, know, a lot of criticism for the second interception to Brown. But on the play right before that, Andre Hastings dropped the wide open pass. If he catches that pass, the Steelers have the ball near midfield with a lot of time left. And they probably, you know, settle back into their running game at that point. But uh, we'll never know. But that might be my favorite one, just because it, it, it opened my eyes up to the fact that anything can happen uh, in the Super Bowl, even 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 when a team, you know, is favored as high as Dallas was 30, 32 is, is, is up there for me too. Terrell Davis. That was a Super Bowl, Charles, that is similar to this one for me when, when going into the game. I didn't know who I was going to cheer for. Because I I like Brett Favre and I, I like that Packers team and Denver just beaten Pittsburgh in the AFC title game, but I also like Terrell Davis. And as the game went along, I found myself pulling for Denver because you know John Elway and the whole the whole thing. And if you if you want to, this is my last thing here, but if you want to criticize Aaron Rodgers a little bit for what just happened, and, and and you know Green Bay not going for it there on the fourth down on the play before Rodgers had a chance to run, it didn't. Rodgers is 37, and for whatever reasons, he chose not to run there. Maybe it was to protect his body. But, but, but John Elway, the same age in a Super Bowl, in the same situation ran, got smashed by two or three different Packers, fell down, and got a first down, and Denver won the game. At some point, you have to lay out if you want to win a Super Bowl. And, uh, and I think every Steelers fan would agree with me. In that situation, there was no way Ben Roethlisberger was letting his team kick a field goal he's going to wave off the special teams he's going to try to go for. It. So I gave you a lot
0: to chew on there, Charles, but those are my thoughts on, on several of those things. I will say this real quickly with uh, regards to Super Bowl 30 and Bill Cowher. I mean, in his fourth year at that point, as much as we want to like, you know, acknowledge Mike Tomlin all the years, he has not had a losing record. And, I mean, you look at a guy like who's been there before him, uh, Bill Cowher has been there for about 15 years, but a lot of people want to instantly – uh, run to the uh, welcoming arms of ch- the tough love of Chuck Bow right there, who went four and zero in Super Bowls. But I got a fact for you, real quick, Brian. You might like this. Check this out. Did you know that Bill Cowher right now, since post Super Bowl, I, so since uh, coaches who have uh, gotten back to the playoffs after the Super Bowl, you know where what Bill Cowher's record is after. Uh, you know, post Super Bowl and game back to the Super Bowl and finally winning it, where it's playoffs or just getting back there and winning it. You know what his record is? You asked what his record was in the Yep. So so
1: we're going ninety-six five. Well he was one one in 90, 1-1 and one, ninety-seven, so it's two two. He didn't go ninety-eight, ninety-nine, two thousand. He went one one again in oh one, so that's three and three. He went one
0: and one again in O two so that's four and four it didn't go in 0-3. So what is that four and four five and five? Yeah. So when he finally did win the Super Bowl, he finished out with nine and five. That's the most wins post Super Bowl, like in the playoffs. So for the oh, years, so for the yeah, year, yeah, so yeah, for yeah. the years, you know how we look at Mike Tomlin right now. Check this out because, you no, know right now as great as he was, post Super Bowl, like in the years he was in the playoffs two and four. Now remember, he had a lot of first round exits too in uh, 82 and 83. I mean, but he still won a few, like one more playoff game apiece in 84 and 89. And then you got Mike Tomlin right now uh, at this uh, stage of his career. I mean, he's uh, pretty much, I think been like a three and five, I want to say, three and five, three and six, somewhere around there. Yeah, I
1: think I think Thing Charles, when you look now at eras, every coach I think has to be evaluated differently because I mean, think about it. In, in, in any other era, one Super Bowl win, you know, for Tomlin would be unacceptable. And, and yeah, there's fans that even now don't think that number should is enough. Um, and 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 they're probably right in some regards. But what other coach outside of Belichick has won? more than one that's currently coaching the answer is nobody um the only other coaches that have rings and i'm probably missing somebody but, but uh harbaugh reed and tomlin uh just out, off the top of my head and and john gruden obviously uh tampa bay in 02 but you know now coaches that have coached in multiple super bowls it's 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 reed and it's tomlin that's it and, and obviously belichick so you know uh you know, you look at uh, Mike McCarthy, won a ring, but had, never went back, got fired. Um, you know, you, you look at uh, John Harbaugh, won one never went back. So, you know, coaches, again, with the exception of of Belichick, it's hard to get back because of salary cap. Uh, that's most free agency in the salary cap is most of that. Um, every team now, as Urban Meyer said in his introductory press conference in Jacksonville, You're set up to go 8-8. That's the way the NFL is today. And, you know, Chuck Knoll back then, you know, if you drafted really well, uh, you're going to keep mostly keep all your players and you're going to be good. The problem was the Steelers did not draft as well in the 80s as they did in the 70s. They made some mistakes in who they drafted, Dan Marino in 83 being the biggest mistake, uh, and they paid for it. Conversely, uh, the Bengals had better drafts. The Oilers had better drafts. And the Browns had better drafts, and that's what resulted in the Steelers. But even even so, uh, the Steelers in the '80s aren't as bad as people remember. They went to an AFC Championship game in '84. Uh, they went to the playoffs in '82, and '83. They went to the playoffs at the end of the decade in '89 with, with a team that started the year losing to Cleveland fifty-one to nothing, and then Cincinnati forty-one to ten in consecutive weeks. They won a playoff game, and then. Lost Denver by a point and almost made it to the AFC Championship game. So, you know, and and I think the thing that no one really remembers about Noel was, and Cowher, it's the same for both. They left their predecessors in great shape. Noel admitted after the 91 season that he just didn't have enough energy left and he told his wife, This is a Super Bowl team. I just can't, I don't have the energy anymore. So he, you know, he gave Cowher a very young and talented team Greg Lloyd, Rod Woodson, Carnell Lake, Neil O'Donnell uh Yancey and etc. And then, you know, Cower gave Tomlin a team that that was a year removed from Super Bowl. Um, you know, I, I think Cower's biggest demise was those AFC championship losses. I think those those were his big but even even though even, even then he lost the teams that ended up winning the Super Bowl, with the exception of, of San Diego. The other teams he lost to ended up winning the Super Bowl. Tomlin's I think biggest disappointment Uh, has been how he his team's late season collapses the last four years. It's really been, in my opinion, his biggest disappointment. Not losing to Tebow in that game, not losing to Green Bay in the Super Bowl, not the eight main seasons after that. I think his biggest uh, uh, problem has been the last four years. And specifically 2017, I think that was – you know and then what happened in 18 i think those two years are the they're the biggest black marks on his resume this year was 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 a tough one but i don't think it compares to what happened in 17 and 18
0: with that being said i mean when you look at i mean you, you look at everything he's done i mean a lot of times i mean a lot of people i mean he he always keeps saying the standard is a standard which we always hear but a lot of people would also argue too i mean I mean, this team really does draft well, but I think there's a lot of people who are on the verge of, like, panic. If it's like, you know, like, if you decide to cut ties with Ben Rosberger and you don't take a chance with Mason Rudolph, you do well, okay, you'll have a winning record. But if you do bad, like, somewhere like a 5, and 11, 6, or 10, you start to tend to think, like, you'll have a better selection in the in the draft in the first round. Right now they're slated at 24, but more so on Mike Tama right now. Do you feel like right now for him – I mean, obviously they're not going to dismiss him. They're not going to fire him or anything. I mean, they've never done that in the history of the organization. But do you feel like this year for him to be extended – because remember, he does got an option to pick up in 2022 if they want to keep him around. Do you think it's not just getting to the playoffs, but would you dare say uh, how far would it have to be if it's not a Super Bowl, like maybe to like the conference championship? In addition to making the playoffs, what's the feel, well, Tomlin, uh, your, in your eyes?
1: I think it's all about – I mean, it is all about winning the Super Bowl. That's what they say. The standard is standard. So it's all about winning the Super Bowl. Um, that being said, it, to me, it's more about the trajectory of the team. So if they win the Super Bowl, obviously they accomplish their goal. Nothing else has to be said. Even if they get to a Super Bowl, you know, it's it, – they obviously reach the summit. Um you know, if they make an AFC championship game, you know, again, I would I would say that that's a it, – it, it depends how they lose the game, if they go it, – it, and how it unfolds. If it was a, a team that, you know, may not have been the most talented but but overachieved and got there and fell short, that's that's okay. Uh, but if it's a team that, you know, maybe started 11-0 again and, and, and kind of fell apart at the end and barely got to it and lost, that's a different story. Um, you know, I think, again – if, if you don't get to a Super Bowl or win it, then the next question is, all right, well, are we trending in the right direction? Um, so you look, at, you look at the 18th season, you look at the end of the seventeen season, lose to Jacksonville. Very disappointing. But, okay, what's, what's the trajectory? Are we heading in the right direction? And at that, at that time, it appeared that they were. Even, even with the loss to Jacksonville, the thought was, okay, they have all the pieces here still to make a run, assuming Wave comes back. Uh, he didn't come back. They had all those off-field distractions. Antonio, at that point, was unraveling, and, and they, they missed out on the playoffs. And that was at that point, uh, the trajectory was down. And Tomlin really needed, a, in hindsight, needed a, brief, a rebound season at 19, and he did. Then getting hurt, still figuring out a way to get to 8-8 eight and eight was encouraging. So at the end of last year, uh, the trajectory was pointing back up. And even at the end of this season, I think trajectory is pointing up with the exception of they're going to go through a transition. And I think that's the big question mark because, yeah, even though they lost the first round, you know, 12 wins is 12 wins. And, uh, you know, Ben Roethlisberger, you know, showed that that he can come back uh, from that elbow and play well. And that defense is still good when healthy. Uh, you know, budget free is the big question mark. But, but I think Charles um, – I do think they need to make some noise in the playoffs. I don't I don't think another year of not making the playoffs is gonna sit well in Pittsburgh at all.
0: No, and I but like I said, I do believe it's it's not just also games to the playoffs, but I think he has to make a good run in the playoffs. I don't think he wants to sell for another one and done and then looked at it with this image that okay, how, how
1: They win a playoff game with Mason Rudolph under center, and then maybe you know lose to the Chiefs in the second round. How would you, how would you rate that out outcome if that was to
0: happen? I, I, I think that would have to be. I would have to give it like a a seven to be honest with you. Because for one, right there, you would have finally Mike Tom will be able to answer the question that you can win without Ben Brosper. He has opportunity about almost like two seasons ago. Since the new season will start in 2019, when you lost. Roberger at halftime in that game versus Seahawks uh and what well, what was the story of the rest of the way right there I mean they were eight and five we talked about december collapses a few moments ago right there obviously the defense was gassed at that point I mean they were playing their balls off right there and you still had like a little bit of a question mark at quarterback Mason brudolph was not so much the same ever since he had that incident with miles gary he had devil Hodges
1: right well, now even and even before even before that this sent him in next week. usually was this came out that. To be honest, I think you know. And, and you know, uh, here's the issue with Ben, is, and it's very unfortunate that we're reaching a point where now fans are starting to wonder: should he come back? And that's that's a place that you you don't want to go to as a quarterback. Even even Peyton had gotten there with the with the Broncos his last season. Um, you know, you don't want to – and, you know, Rivers reached there before he came back and had a nice year this year. That's why I'm glad to see Rivers kind of – Rivers is 100% going out on his own terms, and I think that's really all he wanted. He kind of got – he kind of got thrown out of Los of, Angeles. Of yeah, yeah and, I, and I think he needed to have one redemption season and go out on his own terms, and I'm kind of hoping Ben does the same. I because I do think Ben's going to come back. And I think a lot of it is A, he wants to honor his contract. Uh, and B, he still thinks this team has potential. And C, he wants to have a redemption. And, you know, eleven games into this season, it was her it still was in some ways a redemption season for him. Like he still had a good year by any any measurements. Um, but they lost in the wild card round. He they lost to the Browns. He threw four interceptions and he did show signs of of serious aging when the ball was fumbled and he couldn't jump on it. So, yeah, I think for him, perfect case scenario, he comes back and has a redemption season, finishes strong, and has some playoff success, and then can go out on his own terms. Um, But I will say this, and I know that now some quarterbacks are playing into their 40s. I'll be honest, I, I just don't see a bunch of quarterbacks doing what Brady's doing. Brady's a unicorn, and yes, players can play later in their careers because you know they're taking most of them are taking better care of their bodies. Uh, you know, the game now is set up where quarterbacks are getting hit less than they ever have. Uh, but you know, father time's undefeated, and and it's going to take just being older and all those hits and, and all those throws and reps. That still will take a toll on on you. Uh, so I just I don't know. I don't see Ben Roethlisberger being 40 years old and still being a really good quarterback. I mean, I just don't. Uh, you already no. saw it this year. His lack of mobility did hurt the team. And and this is this is the part that I, I'm, I'm going to say, and I don't think a lot of Steelers fans want to hear it, but it's the truth. I don't think Mason Rudolph is – I don't think the Steelers are any worse off with Mason Rudolph than they are with that. I really don't. I, the, the main question with Rudolph is, can he win – the games when when' the big games when they're on the line you know Ben Roethlisberger has proven to do that time and again you saw with the Colts you know he did that uh, this year he didn't do it in, in Cincinnati and didn't do it in Buffalo uh, but he did it in that game can Mason Rudolph and that and that's what Mason and Duck couldn't do in, in 19 in December when the going gets really rough are you gonna stand tall because I mean the playoffs do start technically in July and January but they really start in December. They start in December when you're playing other teams that also have playoff ambitions and the level of competition rises very, you know, considerably. So, uh, but yeah, I think, I think, I don't think they're any worse off with Mason Rudolph than they are with Ben Roethlisberger and Mason can move. And Mason is just as accurate as a thrower as Ben is. He's just as accurate. Um, His decision-making is probably just as good at this point. So I hate saying it, but that's just what I think
0: now that but I would also add to that, too, you also saw that year when Ben was out and the defense was pulling a lot of sledding, too. You also seen the offense seem to come more together. I mean, like the run game and stuff. I mean, the run game still had its issues, but you saw them play more like a unified unit, like really trying to block for each other. I mean, and that's the problem, I think, with Ben Rosberg. I think there's a lot of things where he still feels like, he has to put the weight of the world on his shoulders right there. I mean, when you throw – when you uh, cause, like, three out of four turnovers or four turnovers in that game versus Cleveland Browns, yeah, I mean, obviously you're not going to see much of the run games. You need some quick scores to try and make that game if possible, which they almost did for a brief moment, which a lot of people would argue the missed fourth one call. So I would definitely add that the difference if you have a guy like anyone other than roster like – like a Mason Rudolph. I will
1: say this about, about Tomlin that I, I've never seen before is that they had a glaring problem on their team and they never got it addressed the running game was a glaring problem and all year Tomlin said we're going to fix it, we're going to improve on it it never happened and if I go back to 2015 their, their passing game or pass defense was among the worst in the league but as the year went on They figured out ways to get better and disguise uh, some of their issues in the back end, and they made some changes. They played Willie Gaymore. They gave Antoine Blake, if you you remember him, uh, more reps, and they did some different things. They used Shea's here more. Um, This team, I mean, with the running game, they never fixed it, and that's, I mean, that's a lot of that's on Tomlin because, and you know, Kevin Colbert. And the offensive line coach, obviously, who they didn't retain, Um, but the fact that they could not uh, fix the running game really speaks volumes. And and as Tomlin said during his season-ending press conference, you know they, you know, he said he was open some some, you know, philosophical changes there because um, you know, in my opinion, I think they should try to, to, to. they do maybe some more zone running, like what Kyle Shanahan does, and what you'll probably see in New York with Robert Talley, you know, or Salah there. So um, yeah, I mean they have to fix the running game. Um, and the fact that they and yeah, like you said, I mean Ben did have way too much on his plate in those games because defenses knew exactly what the Steelers were going to do, and they there was zero Plan B. It was throw short was 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 Plan A, and Plan B was throw deep. Um, I like Matt Canada going the offensive coordinator. I like the fact that they're going to get another offensive line coach. Um, and yeah, they're going to have to, uh, you know, they're probably going to have to drop, drop, uh, pardon me, draft a defensive line, or an offensive lineman in the first round because they have to get more talent on the offensive line.
0: And don't and don't be surprised too at the bottom of the list. We see an outside linebacker drafted too. I mean, uh, I know the greatest still, uh, jury still out on Alex Smith. He was a good to stretch. Uh, only time will I uh, I think that'll be the bottom of the list, but real quickly, right now, uh, there's a lot of quarterbacks on the market right now. Am Schefter listed, listed about 15 of them. I'm gonna give you like the top five that stand out right now, and you let me know out of these five uh, h- how many of these quarterbacks will definitely be in new teams in 2021. We'll start off right now. Uh, with the Sean Watson sweep, sweepstakes right now seems to be winding out of the Texans organization right now, carrying a cap hit of uh, $15.94 million for 2021. Of course, Aaron Rodgers right now, we're not sure uh, once he gets settled in, is he going to step away, uh, retire? Or maybe he decides to work out a trade somewhere else right now. Also, too, Matthew Stafford right now, the new Lions coach, who's uh, come into uh, the organization. He's come in with the understanding that Matt Stafford, more than likely he's not going to be in their plans, uh, that they're going to try and uh, move on from this guy, probably deal him. And then right now, you also got Dak Prescott right now, a very frustrated quarterback uh, who's been seeking a long-term deal. He's got a cap hit of over $31.4 million. And that, that would be it. So I say about four quarterbacks uh, off that list. Who would you say would be more than likely on the move or will they stay, all those four?
1: No, he The fourth?
0: No, it was actually Deshaun Watson, Aaron okay. Rodgers, Matt Stafford, and uh, Dak Prescott. Well, Watson, unless
1: he threatens to sit out, I, I think he has to stay put. Uh, I, I, I again, unless you know, you know, Stafford's leaving because the Lions have mutually agreed they're going to trade him, so he's going to get traded. I do think that Matt Ryan is done in Atlanta. Um, we're not sure yet, but but I, I think it's I think he's, he's done. I had, did not think that for a while, but I'm starting to think that. Um, I'm probably 60-40 on Matt Ryan. I mean, I'm 100% on Stafford. And I'm 50-50 I'm with Deshaun Watson. Because, again, at the end of the day, I, I can see that whoever is their new coach talk to him and say, hey – I know there's been some things that have happened in this organization, but I want to work with you, and I think we can make this work. I don't think it's totally over with Deshaun Watson. I'm going to put him at 50-50. I think that Dak is 70-30 staying in Dallas. I'd be surprised if Dallas uh, let him go. And I think one of the main reasons why is the injury, and I think Jerry Jones feels the responsibility to pay him. Uh, There's also the – emotional ties that Kerry that has with him. And also, um, he's the guy they picked to replace Romo. So in order to justify that decision, they probably need to keep him, right? I mean, the issue with Dallas is, uh, I, I, in my opinion, they need to find somebody for Zeke. The problem is no one's going to take that contract. So they might be better at releasing him and eating the money. I mean, and that's the problem that the Jets had with Levion. Is that you? You pay a guy that much, a running back that much money, you're you're in trouble. And that's where, you know, I'm not. I would be totally shocked if Connor's back in Pittsburgh, because the market for running backs is all over the place. I mean, you saw Austin Eckler sign, Was it four or five years for for 24 million, which is I thought a great deal for him, 15 up front. Um, You know, you saw Melvin Gordon, I think, did two years for 16, 13 up front in Denver. Good, you know, good contract. So, you know, I could see Connor potentially doing something like that if the Steelers want him back. Um, Juju's as good as gone. Now, if Ben retires, they could maybe try to sign Dupree. But my concern with that is you've got to pay why. As good as Dupree is, do you really want want to be paying top dollar for two outside linebackers? I, I personally don't.
0: Well, you know what, uh, speaking of the Bud Dupree real quickly, and um, I promise I'm going to wrap up here about like with two more after this, but real quickly, John Clayton, who was actually on 937 The Fan, who usually interacts with him a lot uh, from 710 ESPN Seattle, uh, he says that he expects Bud Dupree to sign a one-year deal in the neighborhood of $6 million this season, mainly because of the ACL and low salary cap uh, this season. What do you say to that?
1: players in the doing that because of the low salary cap and wanting to kind of wait for next year. I mean, you could see
0: Juju doing that. Ask um, guys to so, bite the bullet for one year to hold off until we get straight yeah, out of the I,
1: camp. It is unfortunate, and I know nobody's probably going to be crowned for the because he has gotten paid handsomely in his career, but it is a shame, though, how much gymnastics he has to, to hurdle through to – get a second contract. Um, I I will say this, that is kind of, and that's where I I did agree with Le'Veon Bell back in the day, because the Steelers, now again, I mean, Le'Veon also, it takes two to tango, so, you know, Le'Veon needed to meet the Steelers halfway, but, uh, it's really hard for players to get that second contract, because teams can franchise them literally as many times as they want, they can put the fifth-year option on them, if you're a first-round pick, uh, so no, I could I could definitely see that with Dupree, but but to me, yeah, that's great for next year. But oh, what is your plan after that? Um, but that would help them obviously for next year because then you wouldn't have to worry about Heisman having to step in and be a starter full time.
0: Also, too, we are uh, speaking with uh, NFL writer of CBS, Brian Diardo real quickly. Uh, we also got the Hall of Fame coming up too, day before the Super Bowl right now. Uh, which, real quickly, of these finalists right now, of uh, these three names you see would be more likely to get in? Or would you select two out of three of these names? Uh, beginning, I'll, I'll go with the homeboys first right now. Uh, you got quarterback and safety Rondé Barber, uh, who's been around for uh, quite a long time right there. A very phenomenal uh, player, in my opinion, uh, who's, uh, who served as dues. He played about 16 years in the NFL. Uh, Last since 2012 right there. He's about a five-time Pro Bowler, three-time All-Pro, and a Super Bowl champion, just like his partner in crime, uh, John Lynch. Uh, Remember, who played uh, the first half of his career with the Bucks before he went to the Broncos. Uh, Nine-time Pro Bowler, two-time All-Pro, however. Uh, And then last but not least, the guy who's been knocking on the door for a long time uh, since being retired after the 2010 se- season, over a decade right now, 10 years later, Al Fanica. So, again, between Ronde Barber, John Lynch, and Al Fanica, would you say two out of three or one out of the other? Uh, who would be your choice to see probably uh, get enshrined in Canton? I would go with uh, Lynch. He's
1: I mean, he was an all-decade performer. His body of work, speak for itself um, – and the fact that he went to New York and helped him get to an AFC championship game was also uh, a part of his career that sometimes gets overlooked. Um, yeah, I mean, he he was arguably the best lineman in his position in his era. And, I mean, when, when you're all decade to me, I mean, that is about, you know, because we always say, because there really is no um, – benchmark for being in the Hall of Fame, with the exception if you look back at history uh, just about, like look at the 70s for example, everybody every single person on the NFL's all-decade team for the 70s is in the Hall of Fame, with that, with the exception of Drew Pearson, he's about to get in so uh, now, small trivia question what? that you may not have known Levon Kirkland is actually a, a member of the NFL's all-90s team and is not in the Hall of Fame and Greg Wood is not on that because I think most people didn't like Greg Williams. (laughs) But regardless, I mean, that that typically seems like the benchmark to make the Hall of Fame. Were you an all-decade guy? Because if you were an all-decade guy, that meant you were either the best or the second-best guy at your position for a decade. Um, So, I mean, yeah. So I I would say Lynch, for sure, should be in the Hall of Fame. Uh, As you said, nine-time Pro Bowler was really good. On some Buccaneers teams that weren't good, and I actually rewatched uh, for a project the highlights of the O2 Bucks yesterday. Yeah. That defense was re- that whole team was really good. That defense was great, and I, I, if you compare them to the Baltimore defense, I would, I would pick Tampa's over Baltimore's. Um, they, they were better in my opinion. Derek Brooks, I think, is. I mean, as good as Ray Lewis was, I think that he's a little overrated, and I think that Derek Brooks was a little underrated. And, you know, they had Warren Sapp. That 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 defense was nasty. Um, Rondé Barber was good, but I kind of put him in the Hall of Very Good and not the Hall of Fame. I know he played a long time and, and won a ring, had that awesome play at the 0-2 NFC title game. But to me, he was just a level below a Hall of Famer. To me, you shouldn't have to, to be – a Hall of Fame guy. He just, in my opinion, you just you know right away. And I just for you know for my money, I I, I didn't think he was a Hall of Fame player.
0: and don't forget too the uh, uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers speaking of that defense, number one all time in any Super Bowl team, their release record nine takeaways for their scoring offense on defense right there. Nine. But so you had uh, in that season, you had five during the regular season and four in the playoffs. Remember, if you watch that NFL films highlight, what did John Gruen say to that Bucks team when he took over for Tony Dungy, who got dismissed? He said, you nine know, like nine of exactly challenged him real quickly. Uh, speaking of the Super Bowl, before we wrap you up, bud, real quickly uh, Chiefs, Bucks. who takes it all? And by the way, real quickly, in our historical question, not historical, but in a way, but AFC and the F C since the uh, AFL twenty
1: seven.
0: Yeah, tie to twenty seven apiece real quick. Right. Uh who which uh team wins it? Uh for their league, who breaks the tie, AFC or FC, uh Chiefs or Bucks? I think I think the Bucs are
1: gonna win. And the reason why I think that is actually it's gonna be out tomorrow. I, I looked back at the last four games between Mahomes and Brady. Now albeit be three of those games Brady was on the, the Patriots, but I think I give the Bucs the edge because, A, I think their road to the Super Bowl is harder. And that doesn't always determine who's going to win it, but, but usually the team that's more battle tested comes out on top. And it was true last year with the Niners and Chiefs. The Chiefs had a, t- a little bit tougher of a road. Um, and I think, I think Brady, with this team, has more weapons to spread the wealth to. Scotty Miller, if Antonio Brown's healthy, Chris Godwin, Mike Evans, uh, both are tight ends, obviously Gronk being one of them. Uh, Johnson, Tyler Johnson, the rookie from Minnesota, starting to come on. Um, And and since their week, I think they played in week 12. That was the last game that Leonard Fournette didn't start. Fournette has started every game since and he's been a huge difference maker for them. Um, I just think that and then you look at Tampa Bay's defense. Their linebacker course playing well. Their secondaries is is, is somewhat of a weakness. Um, but if if Antoine Woodfield is back, they should be okay. But that their front seven is really good. Um, Shaq, Shaq Barrett, JPP, Sue, um, Devin White, they're good. That's really Le'Veon David. I just think Tampa's front seven is really good, and I think they're going to give the Chiefs some fits. You know, the Chiefs' offensive line is not going to have Eric Fisher. Stephen Wisniewski actually probably going to start the former Steeler. Um, and I just – I don't know. I, I don't think that the Chiefs' running game is as, is as good. And late in that Buccaneers-Chiefs game in the regular season, uh, the Buccaneers made it a three-point game with four minutes left. And the uh, Chiefs iced the game. They ran the clock out. But Mahomes had two design runs on that last drive for first downs. With his turf toe, with his recent injury to his to his neck, how much are they going to have Mahomes run? I don't think they're going to have him run his Uh Yeah, the Chiefs have weapons. Tyree Kill has been, you know, he had a huge game obviously against Tampa, you know, back in week twelve, and uh, you know they're going to have Clyde Edwards-Helaire back, and Tyron Matthews, really good defensive player, D four, Chris, you know, Chris Jones. I just think that Tampa has more weapons uh, and uh, you know better defense. And I think that Tom Brady's the equalizer. I think that obviously Mahomes is is still the better – at this time, Mahomes is the better player. But I think it's close, and I think that Brady's going to get his
0: his seventh and final ring. Definitely, I couldn't agree more. That's what I got myself too, Brian, I just wanted to say thank you very much, as always, uh, being generous with the time real quick. And I also want to just thank uh, you and Jim Wexel in person right now, Thanks for the recommendation on the uh, Troy Palma book. I definitely gotta check that out. I just got mine uh this past Friday. I can't wait to uh read into that a little
1: bit. Dude, my pleasure and uh yeah, enjoyed the book. Yeah, I, I mean I Jim wrote it, so I deserve no credit for that. But yeah, it's a it's an awesome book. I loved it. I think every Steeler fan should read it, especially in the off season when you don't have anything to do. Uh it's a great book and I think you'll like it.
0: All right. Well, my man, thank you very much. Continue to stay safe and healthy for all this uh, COVID time until this thing last. And I uh, look forward to catching up with you, my man, in the future. You take care. Keep doing keep up the great work. Thanks a lot, Brian. You too, Josh. Thanks. Take, take care. Have a good night, man. You too, buddy. Thank you, brother. And Once again, that was uh, Brian DiArlo right there of uh, CBS uh, Sports right there. He's right there online. Uh, very, still catch him online, too, on his uh, interactions on Facebook Live. Uh, with his uh, company right there, uh, I definitely feel like it's very interesting right now, to say the least. I mean, you got a lot of stuff going into this game right now, and uh, like I said too, I mean, one of the biggest things too, speaking back to Steelers right now, uh, Bud Dupree, according, I mean, to Dale of uh, DK Pittsburgh Sports, on his injury and his rehab right now, he says, "I'm feeling great right now," and quote. I'm going to have the schedule in rehab. It's a great thing as always. It's a blessing. I'm on track and I'm going to be ready for camp. It's a blessing to take the small things from a big injury like there was. I just know that I'm still able to perform next season. I will say this, John, I mean, uh, we saw Bud Dupree's reaction on Twitter with uh, laughing uh, and crying uh, emojis right there. So I'm not sure if he's really too much of a fan of the idea of like a, taking a one year, $6 million uh, signing right there. So I don't know uh, if that's gonna fly well with him, but to be honest with you right now, I mean, when you got like the tag coming up, the Steelers are willing to place a second tag on, you're looking about $17.6 million according to Dale Lally. Now we have heard when you do tag someone for two consecutive years, and he's been making over 18, I mean uh, $15 million a year ago, I think $15.828 million. It's usually supposed to be around uh, 1.2% of that uh, money right there. So, a little front off in there, but uh, that's what we got. And also, too, in regards to uh, Ed Bouchette right now, uh, he tends to think that the Steelers dropped the ball as far as, like, with the rooting role, as far as more in particular with the offense quarter position. He seems to indicate that, the, that Matt Canada was already going to be getting the job, but Tomlin had to. Uh, interviewed two other men for the coordinator's position, position. People, Both people of color, but it seems like the whole narrative that was paying along that either way he was going to get the job, they had to do their due diligence, make sure they're ir- interviewing people. Uh Ebouchette seems to think that may be a little bit of a concern right there. A bad look for the organization and Tomlin uh, for that moment, if that happens to be true or not. So we'll find out on that. But anyway, that's going to wrap it for a close of this edition here on the Best Deal Podcast. Brian, thank you very much, man. Awesome trivia stuff. I appreciate it, man. Uh, Definitely viewing people with you uh, doing this. And thank you very much for your generous time, as always. We're counting down the Super Bowl 55 in Tampa. Yes, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, they are going home. And speaking of going home, uh, you can catch me here on Mondays and Wednesdays, usually at 6.30 or 8.30 p.m. Central Standard Time. And uh, I'll keep you guys posted. You guys can follow me on social media, on Twitter and Instagram. At Paraj Richie for the Metal Steel Podcast on Twitter at Metal Steel CGR and on Instagram at Metal Steel Nation. For my man Brian Diardo on Twitter and Instagram at Brian Diardo As I always, leave it. Don't be trolling. Be rolling. Here we go, serious. Here we go. I gone.